What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to another dope edition of Define Your Legacy. I'm your host, Theus Elijah McBee. Okay, and before we tap into today's episode, just want to shout out the online store of Define Your Legacy, which can be found at the link in the description of this episode. All right. But to jump right in to today's episode, we have Jasmine on the show. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Um, but if you could, right, just um, just introduce yourself. Um, let the people know who you are and the value that you provide. So my name is Jasmine Cameron. I am owner of Honey Nail and Beauty Studio located in Hamden, Connecticut. I've been doing nails for about eight years now, and I just opened this year in April um, of 2022. And I'm just here to provide valuable quality services for all clients of all different races and backgrounds and um, and really give them like a safe space to practice their self-care. And so you mentioned you've been doing this for eight years now and now you have right your, your place of your own. Right. So how, how did you get started? Right? I know that I'm sure that was a long journey and a long process, but let's start from the beginning. Right. How did you get started? So I got started, I will say eight years ago when I graduated college or was graduating college, I um, went to nail school at the same time because I was going to Southern and it wasn't creative enough for me. So a little bit about my academic background, I graduated from uh, Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising in 2011. And then I went to a fashion school in New York for a semester. And then I ended up getting my bachelor's at Southern. So when I was going to get my bachelor's, it wasn't really like creative enough for me. It wasn't challenging my artistic um, skills. So I got my nail certificate at the time. But because I have the fashion and beauty background, I always wanted to be like in the industry still. So I pursued um, those things. Like I interned at Ebony Magazine. Um, I interned at other magazines in LA and a PR uh, firm in LA just to see how things were done and really you know, to network because everybody's like network, network, but in the faster paced um, industries and in the cities, like you need to um, really like connect with almost anybody <laughs> that, that you meet because you just never know what they're doing or who they know. So um, it was funny because once I was like visiting LA and my friend was modeling at the time and I was talking to the the makeup artist and I was like yeah I do nails back home and I'm trying to do it for photo shoots and stuff like that and she's like oh I know someone who like has an agent and does it out here in LA she was like I'll give you her contact I reached out to her and I told her I was from the east coast she's like I know someone in New York and I reached out to the person in New York and then that's how I started volunteering my time on fashion shows um so you know after that it, like definitely takes time because it's not like I just got here and boom, but you know, you, you just have to keep putting yourself out there and working towards your goal. A lot of the times it's for free, but it's for experience exposure. And, um, you know, I got my degrees and I was trying to do things with that. And then nobody was calling me back because I didn't have experience, but when it came to nails, everybody was calling me back. And it's just because it's a, it's a trade. So it's something that you can easily learn. And um, since the nail response was way bigger, I was like, okay, 
maybe it's a sign that I'm supposed to be working on my craft because if you worked corporate, then I wouldn't have time to pursue my craft and my artistry. Um, and I remember even considering like moving back to LA because I remember, you know, I was like, I gotta, I gotta leave Connecticut. Like there's nothing here for me. And, um, at the time when I was trying to make that decision, someone in New York actually reached out to me and was like, and I worked with her during fashion week as well. And she's like, Hey, I know you want to get your license in New York. Do you want to work with me? And I was, and she was a celebrity manicurist. So I was like, me of course like yes and then I was like I don't have to move to California now so um you know there was a lot of trials and tribulations even with that experience but it helped catapult me further into the direction of where I wanted to go and I mean I was still working part-time like I was working at different salons and spas in Connecticut um I was working at I was working for myself I was doing the freelance so I was doing a lot like it was crazy how much I was doing. And then I just got to a point where I had this overwhelming response of clients, especially through the pandemic when they had to support black business and people were looking for black nail techs. And I was like, okay, how can I still maintain my brand and my business um, and still do everything I want to do? And the only way for me, I saw was to build a, a home base, like have a foundation you know, have something that's mine here in Connecticut. So this way, if I wanted to, I can still move around or I can still work in different places. And um, 2020 is when I was like, okay, it's time to look for a space. And 2021, I signed my lease. And then 2022, I moved in. There you go. Uh, so what does that mean to you too? I know towards the end of that story, you mentioned the idea of having something um, of your own, right? So what does it mean to you to have something that truly belongs to you? Well, it means a lot and for multiple reasons. So one, being a black woman, you know, and I have to realize like it's uh, it's such an it's so ingrained in our culture to feel like we're left behind or we get the short end of the stick or we don't have the same equality and opportunity as others. So for me, I wanted to show people that it doesn't matter how much someone gives you, you still can go out and get it on your own. Um, you know, there's always going to be barriers to break down, but if you're confident and sure of yourself, you can still get far. Like there's still so much opportunity and room for us. Um, so, and then with my family background, you know, I'm half immigrant. So my, my half of my family is Jamaican and coming to the United States as immigrants, you know, they're working for people to make a living for their family. So I think I wanted to really uh, be that person who could kind of change the dynamic where it's not like we're just here always working for the person. Like we could make our own way and work for ourselves and build that equity and those, you know, investments and generational wealth, as they say. But was there ever a shift in your own personal mindset? You know, when you talk about seeing your parents work as to now making that transition for yourself to now being a business owner, was there ever um, uh, something that happened or a moment that made you say that, all right, you know what, I can do something else or in addition to my other aspirations? Um, the shift was... Um... 
I would say for me, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like disappointment <laughs> or um, like there was a moment where I knew like this is who I am and there's not many other things that someone that has what I have can do. Like as an artist, I have to express my creativity. Um, so I guess the shift was really like, um, what is it called when you, when you don't get the rejection? Oh. You know, like I, I wasn't getting the jobs that I was applying for. You know, I just wanted to work in the industry. And at the time, like, I didn't even really know what I wanted to do in the industry. I just knew what industry I wanted to be in. So I think the rejection aspect made me uncomfortable enough to figure out where I fit. And it was like, I'm, I'm an artist. Like I remember telling my dad, like, I'm an artist. Because he, he didn't have the opportunity to get his degree. So he, get, he gave me that opportunity. And then it was like, so what are you going to do with this degree? And I was like, well, uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's, we're going to use the degree, definitely. But sometimes that doesn't look like just a desk job or a corporate job or the stereotypical nine to five, sometimes it looks a little different. So I would say the shift very well came around the time where I was like down and out, like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know this is who I am. So I'm, I have to figure it out. And that's cool too. Cause you know, I, I think that's a, a story that a lot of people can relate to. And like, if you get told no so many times or you get rejected from either applying to so many jobs so many times, it's like, all right, eventually maybe that's a sign. Right. Not a right. sign that's a bad thing or you're doing something wrong, but maybe you just might need to start doing something else. Because at the end of the day, um, everyone else may be able to tell you no, but, you know, you can't really tell yourself no, if that makes sense. Right. right. I feel like right. when you're starting something, you know, you're really the one that decides. Um, but have, have you learned any lessons, though, in that, you know, and being a business owner? Because, again, it sounds great. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. In charge. Uh, but like you mentioned, it, it's been an eight year journey and process for you so have you learned um any lessons that you feel like have stuck out over over the course of this time yes um the biggest lesson I've learned I think someone recently asked me this too like what was your biggest learning experience and I was like oh shoot I'm gonna be interviewed soon like let me remember this answer <laughs> but honestly um overall it is to listen to your intuition and follow what is inside you to do. Because what's inside you to do is not for everybody. It is your gift. So, you know, we get tried. We'll get tried and people will try us and things will try us and things won't go our way. Or we think the timing of things don't go our way. Because I fought with that as well. Like, oh my gosh, I know I can do it. Why is it not happening for me? You know, it literally will come it literally will come. If it's for you and it's meant to be, it will align with you at the right time. Um, and for me too, it's hard to sometimes explain, you know, everybody has their story and people come to their moments um, of realization at different times. 
And for some people, it doesn't come for a long time. Some people don't feel passionate about things, but I also like, I'm a spiritual person. So I feel like when you're connected spiritually, you know, there's a deeper understanding of like life and, you know, people and time and universe and the things that's happening collectively in your favor, if you're open to it and you're allowing it. Um, So for me, it wasn't something that I had to try hard at. Like I was already a self-starter. I was already motivated. I was already inspired. Um, I was already a hard worker. I was already hungry. Like I was already just very passionate about uh, what I liked and what I wanted for myself. So it was like, I just did it because that's how, that's what I knew that I needed to do to get where I needed to go. Um, so, I mean, the, the, there's a learning experience, yes, in opening my own business. I've never done that before. And I had to find the right people. And sometimes you think you found a person, but they're not available or they don't want to do it or, you know, and then you have to find somebody else and you kind of have to trust in your team of people to get these things done for you. But at the end of the day, you know, you got to be that person to be like, to vouch for yourself. Like, hey, this is what I'm doing. Don't drop the ball on me. Cause if you do, I'm gonna find somebody else to pick my ball up. Mm. Um, but again, those things weren't hard for me because that's how I am. Like I'm just, I have a goal in mind and I'm just going to keep going until um, it's executed. So, I mean, there are many lessons, um, but you know, again, something I didn't have to try hard at, but be smart with your money. I think so many of us um, don't think about that because we think we're young and who cares and we have all this time. And I realized where I'm at at 31, you know, I was able to open up a business primarily on my own funds um, and, you know, not have to rely on a loan for my business. Um, And again, it wasn't something like, I never said to myself, I, I'm aiming to save this much to open up a business by now. I just was like saving my money and making my money. And I just was like, oh, shoot, I got enough money, I think, to open up a business. Like It's looking kind of good for me. And I had a good credit score. And so, you know, if you're being responsible for yourself, it doesn't matter if you have kids or not. I feel like I don't have kids, but I feel like life happens and people obtain these things that, you know, make it a little harder for them. But again, it's doable. And um, you you just have to kind of be accountable and smart in those ways. I agree. I completely agree. Um, Talk to me too, though, about taking that jump, if you will, or that leap of faith when you, when you realize either you had enough money to really, really go all in and start your own business. Um, And I, and I asked that, you know, the studio and everything like that. And I asked that too, because that in itself is an investment, right? Like just, yeah you know, pouring into you first right. as opposed to anything or anyone else. So what did that mean to you to know that, I, that like, all right, here's what I have. I'm going to use this on myself and the brand um, overall. So I guess it came from the timing of where I was in my life. So I was, it was a pandemic. And when the pandemic hit, we all had plenty enough time to reflect on where we were, where we came from and where we wanted to go. And for me, I 
didn't have like a family. I didn't have kids or anything like that. And um, I didn't have a house or, you know, anything that was really an investment for me. So I was like, um, okay, either I have to move out or I have to get a business pretty much. And the business thing was already on my mind. It was something that was already going to come. It just was like the the right timing for me to really sit down in my thought and think it through and have the time to even look. So um, when, when that time happened, I was like, what am I going to do for myself? How am I going to leave my mark? How am I going to build a foundation? And I'm also a type of person who likes challenge. So it was like, okay, everything has been flying by smoothly. You know, of course, yes, you have your moments where, again, like I said, things try you, you have your trials and tribulations. But I was like, for the most part, it never wavered my success or my growth. I was always continuously growing. So I was like, okay, what's going to be the next big thing that I do to to challenge myself? And um, it was like, okay, well, I have shelter. <laughs> I'm living at home. Nothing's wrong with my living situation. I need a business because when I go back to work, I don't have um, enough hands to service these people. I have two hands and I already know I'm going to be tired. So, and I also, um, I forgot who I was listening to. I don't know if it was church or something, but I always remembered, or maybe it was like um, Shark Tank, the guy from Shark Tank, I can't remember, but I always remember someone saying, like, it's such a big gift to give somebody employment for them to like take care of their livelihood. And I was like, wow. Like it's, it's, I'm already blessed to gift people and making them feel good, but to take it that next step to hire people so they can provide livelihood for their themselves and their, their family, like that's even a bigger gift. Um, so I think my whole thing was, I just wanted to challenge myself. How can I be a better person to share my gifts with others? Mm-hmm. And how would you say? you've been able to answer that? Um, Well, now I have two lovely nail techs working under me that, um, I'm sorry, my iPad keeps keeps telling me that it wants to die. Um, (laughs) So I have two lovely nail techs who's working under me and they're like inspired and motivated by me. And, you know, it, it just... It's like it tells me and reminds me of where I'm supposed to be. Like I'm in the the right place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think what's very unique about that, you know, and, and also something that should be taken note of is just the idea that like you did it your way. That makes sense, right? Like you did it. Yes. And, and, and it, like it wasn't forced or anything like that. You did it your way. So how, how does that feel too? To know that you went about things your way. You didn't try to copy or, or, or whatever someone else. Um. And that that's also a gift because that just means that I'm doing, um, you know, for me, like God's work, like to me, God puts things in you and um, it just and, and I think that's another way I know that I'm in alignment with where I was supposed to be because I've had ideas and thoughts about 
having um, like a salon when I was younger. I don't know why, but that was just like something that I thought about. And then I just think the creative nature of being in like these type of industries already kind of set yourself up for entrepreneurship. So it just started to all like make sense. Like I was like, I'm literally able to make my own schedule and nobody can tell me when I could do something or what I can do or, and then even to like work in the fashion industry, work in the entertainment industry. I mean, I've been able to cross over to celebrities and I I remember my mom saying, oh yeah, like you're going to be doing celebrities. I was like, "Mm, yeah, that's not my goal. Mm -hmm. And then (laughs) um, I ended up doing celebrities and you know, I was able to like be on set for like movies or, you know, it's just like a different world. So, and then come back to my salon and I'm talking to my clients that I see weekly that I love so much because now we just have these deep bonds and we know each other's personal business. So it's like, I wouldn't trade one for the other. Mm. Was there, was there uh, any celebrity that, uh, that uh, got you starstruck at all? that I've done um honestly no Mm -hmm. and um I'm saying no because when it comes to like celebrities you know they're doing work just like you're doing work and your goal is to just do your job do it the best of your capability and leave a good impression so you don't really have time for me, I would say, to be starstruck. Mm. Like, it's like, make sure you got all the stuff you need. Make sure you're there on time. Make sure you're giving them what they want. And um, make sure you're respectful of their space. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say, you know, I think at this point, not to say I don't admire them because I do, but like I kind of said earlier with you, I've done radio um, when I was in college and I loved radio because I loved doing the interviewing. Like I love to see how people got to where they got, what inspired them, what was their trials and tribulations. And, you know, I think one of my goals when I was in college in LA, actually, I remember interviewing um, Celicia Stower. She was like on um, America's Next Top Model. And that kind of was like my first experience um, trying to interview like a celebrity at the time or someone who kind of was in the industry. Um, So now it's like I'm able to service them, but also not interview, but also like just have dialogue to share that experience. Like, you know, and I think that's like the, the lesson for me is like, you know, I'm inspired by them. But then when you really, when you hear their story, like nine times out of 10, or at least the clients that I've done, they're coming from humble beginnings um, as well. And it all comes down to like working hard, but just going for what you want and like not wavering that. Um like the last the last celebrity I've done, I do a Shanti the majority of the time, but the last client I've done for the first time was um, Anderson Pack from uh, Silk Sonic. Mm. And honestly, I didn't even know who he was. 
<laughs> and um, you know, he's out here winning all these Grammys and stuff. So I just kind of went went into it like, all right, I'm about to just bang out these nails and these feet and let him get on about his day. And we ended up having a great conversation. And, you know, it's humble beginnings. It's like you start just being a child in a small town and having a passion for music and connecting with the right people. And, you know, then you just keep going and elevating. Um, and, you know, the Anderson pack that everybody sees is not really like who he is behind closed doors. So that's also another thing is I think he's over fantasized celebrities when at the same time it's like they're human they need to shed that um, exterior that they have on for everybody else like I couldn't be a celebrity I know that's just not for me I like to be behind the scenes um so I think now you know the person that I am like I just want to see like who are you behind that exterior I feel like you're you're also in a space too right where there's a little bit more of a stronger possibly one-on-one connection would you, would you say that's the case when you're working with certain clients at all? And I don't just mean like in celebrities, you know, at this point, just mean like in general. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And that, that keeps me in love with my job too. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like people literally like look forward to talking to me and I look forward to talking to them. And, and it's like, you know how they say, you know, when you're in school, it's one thing. And then they always say like real life is like the real teacher. And it's like, there's just something about talking to a person about their everyday life. And it could be something as simple as what grocery store they go to and what pair they like to eat. Like you just learn <laughs> so many different things that I, would, I wouldn't I would have learned if I'm not talking to different people every day. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, that's, that's perfect too. It's like, you can learn a lot literally just by talking to people. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, of course, social media and podcasts and all that. But talking to people can really, really um, go a long way. Um, yeah. But also, too, because, I mean, in that type of space, um, do you feel like you're, you've interacted with people with a lot of different backgrounds? And if so, do you think that's helped you along the way? Absolutely. Um, I've also lived in different places, too. So I'm I'm from Connecticut but I've lived in Washington state and I was born in New York. So I have a lot of family from New York. Um, But I think culturally Connecticut can be very closed off, you know, within our social groups. Um, So when I went to Washington state, it was like a rude awakening Mm. and it was culture shock for me. Um, And I had to adjust, like I had to survive. I had to adjust. And I think then I hated and dreaded that experience just because I was like stripped away from my comfort zone. But I I think one of the biggest lessons too with um, kind of expanding and doing your own thing is like you have to get out your comfort zone. Like you got to welcome that challenge of being uncomfortable. So um, I think having a well-rounded life experience of meeting people from different backgrounds and talking to people from different backgrounds also gave me leverage to be able to service people from different backgrounds as well. And you hit something around the head too, like the challenge of being uncomfortable. Do you feel like being uncomfortable can sometimes be a good thing? Yeah. 
<laughs> I do. Um, you don't grow in comfort and you don't see anything wrong um, sometimes when you're comfortable. Not to say that comfort obviously does lead to happiness and, you know, things like that, but um, there's levels to being comfortable. And sometimes I think when we're stretched or impacted in a way that shifts the comfort, we are easily scared and we run back versus trying to get through it and running forward. So I definitely had to do that um, with this, even this experience, because again, like I said, if I wasn't manning and leading the ship to get where I wanted to go, I could have easily been like, this is too much for, for me. <laughs> Never mind. I can't find a contractor. And, you know, the property manager is saying this and, you know, the rent is that like I could have easily been like, never mind. But I think the bigger goal was like, nah, you got to get you got to get there. So keep moving forward. So how would you say too, right, someone could actually get started into the nail industry as a whole? Right. Um, what, what, what would your kind of suggestions be or, or what would you say to someone else that may be uh, looking to get started? Um, I will say go to school because I'm one of those people who do things by the book because I don't want to be limited down the line. So um, definitely go to school because also in my journey, when I got my certification in Connecticut, it was not um, comparable to another state. And the majority of states required licensing, whereas we didn't require. I think Delaware and Connecticut were the last two states that did not require licensing. So when I wanted to move out of Connecticut or work in these other states, um, I could not get jobs doing nails in those other states. So it limited me because at the time I was like, I know I can do it and I'm trying to gain more experience and exposure and this is my ticket out and I can't do it. I could freelance thankfully on the shoots and stuff, but I couldn't like work in a salon. Um, so I always say go to school because you need to learn about nail care, health, your nail health, um, you know, the diseases and the, the, really like all the technical stuff um, as well as the fun stuff. I mean, I, I think a lot of people see the fun stuff. I saw the fun stuff, but I, at the same time, I was like, I'm going to school because I know there's things that I don't know about the nail um, industry. So, you know, and it's not, when you're going to school, it's not like you're going to learn everything you need to know to get you where I'm at, <laughs> but it's like a prerequisite. Like you build on that. So I say um, definitely go to school and practice. I mean, now knowledge is everywhere. So, you know, YouTube and Instagram and Facebook, there's so much, so much knowledge to be learned. Um, so those would be my tips. Hmm. But what kind of, uh, what, what school would you like? What's the. I'm, I'm so not... now Connecticut does require licensing. Um, so there's different schools, but I would just say go to an accredited school. And if you don't want to do like the full cosmetology program, because nails 
did, I don't know if they still do fall on under the umbrella of um, cosmetology. So, but cosmetology is majority hair. And for me, I had an interest in cosmetology because at the time I didn't know what my niche was. Like I didn't know nails were my thing. So I was going to do cosmetology, but I'm glad that I didn't. And that at the time there was only, there was a nail program. It was in a cosmetology school, but there was a nail program specific to nails. So I did not have to spend over $20,000 to learn about nails. Um, so I would say, you know, there's Paul Mitchell, I think, who might do it. But there's also like Branford Academy. Um, I The school I went to is no longer open. So there's different schools, different places. But I would make sure that it's accredited. Hmm. Right. Well, yes, yeah, of course, of course. And even, and even after, you know, completing the program, uh, what's, I guess, what, what would the next step be? Um, like um, the next step would be looking for a job. So applying to, you know, um, a business that fits you, like there's so many different places. Like I worked at salons and spas. I worked at a hotel spa. Um, I worked mainly at hair salons that did nails as well. Cause I just like being versatile and learning about other things. Um, but then there's people who just want to work at a nail salon because to them, that's like the, the. I guess the um, thing to do, like if I do nails, I might as well work at a nail salon. But I will also say that that's the the switch that I am turning because when you work at nail salons, the majority of nail salons are Asian run. So you don't feel like you're getting the knowledge and support that you would get if you were in a different environment. Not to say that those environments are not suitable, but it might not be a good fit for you. It wasn't a good fit for me, like even to go get my my nails done um, all the time because I just think the level of quality is not there. I mean, they kind of tend to want to get you in and out. It's not really about unique, intimate experiences, which I wanted to give to my clients. And I think that also comes from me working at a spa. Like, you come in here to relax. So we're going to relax together kind of thing. Um, so I would just say find places that suit you. And it took me maybe like six to eight places before I started working for myself and all those places kind of forced me to be like, you could do this on your own. You could do this on your own. So I think some people give up because they're like, the owner is nasty or no one's nice to me or, you know, the pace is too fast or the quality is not great. There's somewhere else that will be what you need it to be. Mm. And so what does it mean to you um, to know that yours is black owned? Um, so I think in this cultural shift that we're in again, which is not new, but it's um, repeating. Um, I think, you know, I think sometimes it means more to other people than it means to me. Because when you're in it, 
you don't feel it as much as somebody else will feel the impact. It's like, I'm just steady doing what I have to do. And I just happen to be black and happen to love nails. Um, but I, I think the test will really be how sustainable am I? Cause anybody can open up a business. Um, we see it all the time. And for whatever reason, a lot of our people open businesses and they fold within two years. Um, which I don't foresee seeing or happening for me, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, it's almost kind of like, not to toot my own horn, but it's kind of like, this ain't hard. It's a lot of work, but it's not hard. Um, so I just want to kind of like, you know, really get, get it to a place that I'm content. It's never going to be at a place where I'm done. But where I'm just like, you know, okay, I'm, I'm good. Like I put my time in, my girls are good. Cause this is another thing is when you have people working for you, it's very important that they're good too. It's not just about you. Um, you know, and because of society putting so much pressure on black businesses, um, I think the test will really be when I have more years in, you know, but I think it, the bigger impact is um, me being just a young girl with a dream coming from the background that I come from, not seeing business owners up close and personal in my own personal family dynamic. Hmm. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I always felt that like a huge part of financial literacy in my personal opinion is exposure. Right. I think us as young black individuals, it's important for us to see ourselves mm -hmm. in that light of being successful. Right. Because mm -hmm. naturally, when you turn on the television, that's not always how we're portrayed. So if anything, I think um, it's actually important for people that look like us to show off the success because someone else out there may need to see. Right. That it's actually a reality to do it. Um, right. But even in saying that, right, the. You mentioned the idea of statistically speaking, right? Just straight off numbers, the idea of certain black businesses not necessarily having the sustainability the way we might want. But in your right. honest opinion, what are some things that you may try and do to prevent that from happening to yours? Um, definitely. So one thing that I have is a financial um, advisor and an accountant, of course. Um, you need to have those. <laughs> you need to have somebody who's, you know, doing your checks and balances, even if you can't forget or whatever the case may be, um, because those people will hold you accountable or tell you, look, this is what you, this is what's happening. This is where you need to be. Um, so that's definitely valuable. Um, but I think, you know, paying, paying attention to the details of your business. And also, um, like you said, exposing yourself, but doing your research. So, you know, it's hard. The thing for me is time management because I'm one person doing a whole lot of jobs. Um, but I think when you're opening a business or you're running an event, like you need to see it modeled successfully before you do it. Because if you've never seen it done correctly, how do you know what to do? 
So, you know, I'm a spa girl. I love going to spas. So when I go to spas, I look at the aesthetics. I'm looking at their menus. I'm looking at the way that they greet their clients. I'm looking at the extras that they're offering. Um, You know, I always think about something small, like um, it's been so hot these past days. And, you know, as a, as a new business owner, you want to um, try to cut corners and save as much money as you want. But then I'm like, but even if, you know, your clients come into a really hot place that's uncomfortable and they're spending this money to be somewhere comfortable for the couple hours that they're here. So it's, you know, the feel, the, the smell, like little things like that. So, um, you know, definitely paying attention to the details of, for me, what would I want to experience if I was going into somebody else's place? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I definitely hear you on that too because, you know, I think there's a difference between failing forward and researching before you start, right? Like at the end of the day, you know, you should just start, you know, take action, um, do all that, but at the same time, prepare yourself by learning about whatever endeavor it is that you're getting ready to start. Because right. at the end of the day, you also don't want to waste your time. You know, right. so if you do some research, that can definitely um, go a long way. Um, yeah. But but even in saying that, though, like, do you have anything that I guess you either wish you would have done differently or feel like, you know, you learn from doing something, let's say the incorrect way. But now moving forward, you know um, what to do in, in, in a better and I guess more improved way. I know there has to be something. Um But, you know, I think nothing is standing out. Not to say I didn't make mistakes, but there was no real mistakes that I made that impacted me in a bad way where I was like, oh, let me cross this out and do this over. Um, and I think COVID actually gives me grace for that because we all had many chaotic moments happening that prevented us all from being a hundred percent you know like even in the beginning of me transitioning I kind of left my old place that I was renting from and took clients at home for like three months oh okay so I mean I now that I say this maybe maybe this um I started paying rent for the new place in December but the contractors weren't done until March. So for a few months, I stayed at home and, and worked at home and I was paying rent in a place that I wasn't at. So I think being smarter to negotiate terms a little better, mm. but I also didn't know realistically because contractors want to tell you it's going to be done in a month and a half and really it's six months. So now that I know stuff like that, I know to negotiate a little bit better when it comes to those things. Um, but I also think just people having or the COVID era kind of gave people grace because, you know, I didn't really shut down due to it, but they kind of were like, hey, I can't come. And it kind of gave me a little more time to do the things that I needed to do or rest a little bit more or whatever. So I don't think anybody was really having big expectations of um me during that time mm -hmm. and i think they were pleasantly surprised like when they finally did come to see the salon they were like oh 
I didn't know it was going to be like this. And I was like, me neither. I just did what I wanted to do. And now, now it's here. So I think it was, it kind of worked out in that way. And, you know, again, another good point and segue, you mentioned the idea of it, of it actually being here now. Right. And you, when you kind of think about the beginning of your journey into where you're at now, you mentioned it being an eight year process. You mentioned the idea of working for free at times. Um, you mentioned the idea of obviously pandemic, the pandemic affecting um, you and your business and everything like that. Um, and also too, you empowering individuals by you now having an actual team, right? Cause I think mm -hmm. a lot of things that people deal with is, all right, like you said, you only have two hands, right? You only have right. one person. So at some point you realize you have to, you know, think bigger. And so I say all that, right? It's because it leads me um, to the final question that I have for you. It's a question that I ask everyone that's ever been on Defining Legacy. And that question is, how do you want to be remembered? I'm a person who aims to shed love and light. So I just want to be kind of remembered as that person who um, went after their personal goals and dreams, but by way of love and light. Like if it wasn't for those things, I wouldn't have been able to kind of get to where I want to be. Um, and they always say where there's light, there's darkness, right? But if you're able to use them both um, to elevate yourself, then that's kind of the testimony and the beauty of your journey. So I think my mission mainly is to show people like you can do whatever you want to do. You just have to believe in yourself and, and be consistent and put the work in to get there. But you have to follow what it is you want to do. Because I know people kind of saw what I was doing. And then all of a sudden I wanted to be nail tech. And it was like, whoa, <laughs> you never, you know, thought about it or touched a polish before. Like, why now? And I think it's more so like, you know, the nuance of like, she's in her element and it's just working for her. But I don't ever want to make people feel like they got to do what I'm doing. It's working for me because it's what I'm supposed to be doing. So whatever that is inside you, my goal is to be like, be confident in yourself, listen to yourself and go after that. Yeah, I'm with that. You know, this idea of like, you know, follow your purpose. And and again, like your, your journey is your journey, right? Like, yeah. you know, it's not really healthy, let alone good, but healthy to compare yourself to anyone, especially now with social media. Um, mm -hmm. That can be a challenge, but, you know, it, it's it's still somewhat required. Um, yeah. You know. yeah. Um, <laughs> but but if you could, right, just uh, uh, drop your social media, right? Like, where is it that people can find you? Um, drop the address um, if, if you would like, um, just to give people more information and things like that. So feel free. Um, so you can find me at Honey Dipped Nail Designs on Instagram or Honey Nail Beauty Studio at Instagram as well. Um, and let me see, I'm at 26 I Street in Hamden, also 2989 Whitney Avenue. It's literally on the corner in the Mount Carmel Plaza. Um, and I'm also on Facebook, Honey Dipped Nail Designs. So usually if you follow Honey Dipped Nail Designs, you'll be able to follow all my other pages as well. Got you, got you. Um, and on the Define Legacy front, y'all, make sure you subscribe to Theus Elijah on YouTube, all right? Define Your Legacy on Instagram as well as Facebook. 
EYL Podcast on Twitter and Theus Elijah on TikTok. All right. And last but not least, all right, subscribe to Define Legacy on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. I lied. There's one more thing as well. All episodes of Define Legacy, all right, drop every Thursday at 8.24 a.m. Eastern, all right? All episodes of Define Your Legacy drop every Thursday morning at 8.24 a.m. Eastern. Uh, Jasmine, we, def- we definitely thank you for being on the show. Do you have any uh, any final words for the audience, anything you want to leave them with? Um, honestly, just lead with love and light. Follow your dreams. Come check me out. I'll be having a grand opening coming soon. Um, had to be postponed, so stay tuned for that. I'll drop all details on uh, social media. For sure, for sure, for sure. And again, definitely appreciate uh, you for coming on the show. And just like that, y'all, we gone. Peace. <laughs> Bye.